You've all been through a week of wondering what's going to hit, right? When's going to happen? We're thankful for the men from Tennessee. Where are you from in Tennessee? Chattanooga. Chattanooga, okay. Okay. I pastored in the Kentucky-Tennessee Conference, and Tennessee Conference doesn't go quite to Chattanooga. Shall we bow our heads for a word of prayer? Oh, gracious Father, as we open your word this morning, we ask, Lord, that you will guide us. And Heavenly Father, help us to be diligent about what we allow into our home, our spiritual house, and into our own homes. Father, help us to share the good news of the gospel, but help us more than that to live the good news of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. The house is clean. When you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, your house becomes what? Clean. Jesus, the question I ask, what are you putting back into the house? For what you put back in the house affects where how your walk with Christ. This morning, Jesus said, I don't normally run this. I got to turn it on, right? Okay. I forgot to do that. It's not advancing. Let me try again. Okay, you guys up there are going to have to run it. It's not going to work for me down here. Okay. Jesus said this. And he's talking about when, you're, when the, the, the demons are forced out of the house. The house and he says this. Then he says, I will return to the, my house from which I came, and when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. When Jesus comes into my life, he sweeps my house and puts it in order. But I have a responsibility of what I'm going to put back in that life. Let's move on to the next slide, please. The walk with Christ is not a passive walk. Too often we like to think of all I got to do is accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and everything is going to be what? Fine. But a passive walk is not going to be. We are not NASCAR Christians. Okay? God asks us to be on the track of life, not in the stands. And too often we get comfortable thinking about being in the stands. God has asked us to be on the track. He put it this way. For by these, th- the, by these he has granted us the precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Here Peter is going to outline what often people call Peter's ladder. Okay? And it talks about a walk with Christ. And it says that you may partake of the divine nature. We have things that we need to be walking with Christ, taking into our life, and should be taking in. This morning, if your spiritual life, spiritual household is going to stay clean. Next slide, please. You have to be diligent. I said that word in Sabbath school, didn't I? 
Those who were in Sabbath school heard me say diligent. I, I jumped ahead because I believe that we need to be diligent about the things that Peter has said to us. Because sometimes if we're not diligent, the enemy is sneaking into our homes, our spiritual lives. We laugh, you think, people often think, well, I don't have a problem, but we do need to be diligent. For Peter put it this way, for now, for now, this very reason, also apply, applying all diligence. In other words, Peter is, is that, it's, it's the New American Standard Version I'm using, and he uses the word diligent. And I like the word diligent. Because when you're diligent, you're making sure something is going to happen. If I'm not diligent, I'm slothful, something's going to come in. This morning, if your spiritual house is going to stay clean, move on to the next slide, please. Clean, you must have moral boundaries. I Believe in Healthy Boundaries is a book put out by John Townsend and Henry Cloud. It's been a long time ago, 10 years, 15 years ago they wrote it. But it's a good book called Boundaries. It's an excellent book because you know what? God's Ten Commandments are ten boundaries, aren't they? And the fact is, if you have healthy boundaries, you get to use and enjoy life to its fullest. When you do not have healthy boundaries, you are in trouble. Healthy boundaries allow the good in and allow the bad out. Boundaries that only restrict and keep everything else becomes a stagnant pond. Jesus said he is the gate. And he says, let me let in what is good and let out what is bad. And this morning, you and I need boundaries. Boundaries that help us every day. In your faith, supply moral excellence. In other words, these people today, we need those boundaries. People are, are missing out on something. One time they did a study with children. And they get the same playground. One was fenced, one was not. The one that had the fence and the one that had not the fence, the kids, the one who had not the fence, the kids huddled in the middle of it. The ones who had the fence, what were they doing? They were rattling the fence. They were using that playground all the way out to the very edges. And that God gave us moral boundaries because He wants us to enjoy life right out to the edge, right? To the full playground of life. He wants us to enjoy it. He didn't say to be miserable in this life, but He said He gave us boundaries. And to those boundaries, we need to add something more. If your spiritual house is going to stay clean, you must have practical knowledge of the Word of God. In other words, don't have just a theoretical knowledge. I, you know, I, I love to debate theology. But theology debated isn't worth a whole lot. Theology that is applied is worth everything. And it is, will be long remembered. This week, I received a telephone call from my 
the Kentucky Ten, not a telephone call, an email sent to my wife's phone from the conference president. Do you know such and such a person? And Dorothy and I thought about it for a while. And I said, yeah, I know him, Wayne Hill, my first district. And his wife is Linda. I haven't talked to those people for 42 years. Forty-two years. And probably haven't thought much about them for, for at least 35 of them or more. And all I had was his number, and we called that number, and he asked me about something. He said, I was talking to him. He says, do you remember a black hose? Forty-two years ago, a black hose? I'm going, how strange. Now let me tell you the rest of the story. We were having vacation Bible school at Waller, Texas. I lived up in Bryan, Texas, which was at least 45 miles away. And we were coming down, and they said, let us put our trailer right next to the church, and we can hook up some water to it, and you can, you can stay in there and, and, and cook a meal or something. And they brought their trailer. And they had a not so good a hose, and they said, what can we give you for that? They said, nothing, nothing, nothing. So Dorothy and I went out and bought this really good black hose. And he says to me, he says, you remember that black hose? He says, I'm still using it. And every time I use it, I think about you. He is now the head elder of the church. I baptized him there 42 years ago. He is the head elder, been the treasurer of the church. Helped the church through a couple construction programs. Yet he remembers a young preacher that bought a hose. That's practical what? Godliness. And if we don't do anything else, let's learn how to take our theology and make it practical and touch people's lives. It's practical. These men are from the blue Blue Cross, um, I know where you're from, it's not coming out. So they're from Tennessee, they're down here helping. They're impacting people's lives. Okay? God calls us to do, to, to, and your moral excellence, acknowledge practical knowledge of the Word. If your spiritual house is going to stay clean, you must exert self-control. You know, our world doesn't want to hear about self-control this morning. Just let me do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, and don't ask me to what? To wait. You see, if you look at that picture closely, self-control, willpower, confidence, Determination, calmness, and balance. He said to Paul, Peter said, in your knowledge, self-control. How important it is that we learn to say no when we need to say no. Yes when we need to say yes. And touch people's lives by a balanced Christian life. This morning... He moves on. 
If your spiritual house is going to stay clean, you must exert perseverance. Perseverance. How many of you guys would be married if you weren't perseverant? That's one of the first things a young man learns to be perseverant about. He finds a young girl, young lady he likes, and he will be perseverant until he gets her attention and she says no or she says, I like it. But it's got to be perseverant. If it's not perseverant, that young lady better say goodbye. Or that young man should say goodbye. But perseverance. And in your self-control, perseverance. And I believe perseverance is important because the devil loves us to fall asleep. Okay? I had a guy laying carpet in Laporte Church, Seventh-day Adventist Church in Laporte, Indiana. And he came in there and he says, you know what the devil is never too busy to do? Stop and rock the cradle of a backslider. Think about that for a moment. Devil is never too busy to help you not be perseverant. He's willing to help you rock you to sleep and say everything's okay when it's not. This morning, if we want our spiritual life to be growing, perseverance is not a long race. It is many short races. One after the other. In other words, Walter Elliott wrote that, and I believe it's right. Perseverance is not a long race. It's a lot of little short races that when we do the right thing and persevere till it's done and then go on to the next race, God is asking you and I to be perseverant. Sometimes perseverance. My father-in-law said I was perseverant when I started dating my wife. In fact, he had this little saying about me when I started to date Dorothy, but it didn't stop me. He says, if any old ugly dog hangs around long enough, you start to like it. That's what he said. Perseverance. Interesting is that God wants us to be perseverant in our relationship with him. Perseverance. If your spiritual house is going to stay clean, you need to look for the good you can do around you. We have got to look in a way, way out around us. We sometimes look all the way around and say, oh, that can be good over there. But, but just look for the good little word you can say. Or the smile you can give. Look for the good you can be doing not in big ways, but in what? Little ways. For Peter says, another one I want you to stop and think about this, that slide to the next slide. Never stop doing the little things for others. Sometimes those little things occupy the biggest part of their heart. Sometimes it's the craziest things that people remember you for. Right? You say, I did that, and you still remember it? That was nothing. But you know, when we do the little things, it changes hearts. Buying a black hose 
is a little thing. But demonstrating it for 42 years later meant it was a what? A big thing. If your spiritual house is going to stay clean, you must show kindness to those around you. The fact is, that's what Peter says. In your perseverance, godliness. Kindness. Showing God to others by your actions. Too often, we don't think what we do or say is important. How we respond. But sometimes God keeps our mouth shut and lets us think about something before we open our mouth, right? Ever been there where you run to say something and God says, this is not the time to say it? And God says, you sometimes need to think of how it will show me is your response. If your spiritual life, spiritual house is going to stay clean, you must show love. Not talking about, as here's how Paul put it, in your godliness, brotherly kindness, love. It's easy to love those who love me. It's easy to love those who might appreciate what I do. But can you show love to someone who doesn't appreciate? Who doesn't do what you want them to do? Can you walk out of a home where someone says, I don't know if I want Christ, and go back the next week and offer Christ? Or could you give a Bible study for 38 years and not see a response? to the same person. And so often we look at the story of Daniel, but you have to realize Daniel chapter 1 to chapter 4 is about 38 years that Daniel gave a Bible study by the way he lived and the words of his care for the king and the king was still making mistakes. And that when that king woke up, it took 38 years. How many of us would offer somebody the gospel and kindness for 38 years without them responding? Wow, God has called us to be kind. If your spiritual house is going to stay clean, you must possess these qualities and must be increasing. In other words, we have people saying, I want to know when I'm going to have the victory. I want to know when I'm going to, when I want to know for sure that I'm going to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, if you have these qualities, to Peter, he says, if you have these qualities, Peter says, you will be, should be increasing. My kindness should be what? Increasing. My, my boundaries should be healthier. My moral excellence should be good, be growing. He says it's not going to go backwards. It needs to be growing in our walk with him. And he goes on to say some more things here. And in your brother, kind, brother, godliness, brotherly kindness. But he says up further on, let's move on one more. For these qualities are yours and are increasing and rendering you neither useless nor unfruitful. 
The true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, if we have these things that Peter says, added, they're, they're growing in our life, not because we have to, but because we want them there. He says, we are going to be what? What are we going to be? How many want to be fruitful? How many want neither? How many want to be youth? Want to be useful? And Peter tells us the thing is that we need to be adding these qualities. What are we putting into our house? Is extremely important. To to love, we need to be to our faith. We need to be adding moral excellence. Solid, good boundaries that we can enjoy life to its what? Fullest. And to that, add that to our lives. We need all of these qualities being added significantly to our lives. And he says to us, you will neither be useless or unfruitful. How many have ever felt useless? I have. Have I ever? Have, have you ever one of those days that everything goes wrong? Everything you touch seems to break. And you say to yourself, I'm really what? But Jesus says, when you have what Peter outlines here, you are neither what? Unfruitful or unuseless. If our walk is passive, our spiritual house is dirty and we have forgotten the one who purifies us. Let me state that again. If our walk is passive, our spiritual house is dirty and we have forgotten the one who purifies us. I do not want to have a dirty house, do you? Spiritual house. For he who lacks these qualities is blind, short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. God says to you and I, we need to kneel down every day and ask him, Lord, help me add to my faith more excellence, perseverance, kindness, love, steadfastness, that my faith will never be unproductive because it's going to be touching someone who is looking at us to make a decision for Christ. I want to be productive. Love with all your heart and show kindness all your actions. And we cannot have that unless we are adding these qualities to our life through Jesus Christ. Our closing hymn.